0: Hello and welcome to the final episode of Learn, Adapt, Thrive, a six part series of business podcasts brought to you by Ulster Bank. I'm your host, Susan Kyo, And throughout the series, I've been speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about the many ways that startups and established businesses from right across Ireland are adapting in these very unique times. We've heard about how these companies came to be. We've gained some insight into their growth and we've learned how they continue to innovate and adapt in today's world so wherever you get your podcast from don't forget to look back over the series and do subscribe to stay up to date now today's episode is a little bit different in that i'm joined by not one but two guests ulster banks eddie cullen managing director commercial banking division and john mcgrain director general of the british irish chamber of commerce and the family business network of ireland eddie and john thanks for joining us you're both very welcome along to the podcast thanks susan good
1: morning Great to be with you, Susan.
0: Now, I suppose during the last year, you've both spent a lot of time reaching out to your customers, to your members, making sure that they were feeling okay and and minding themselves during the pandemic. Because as we know, it has been an incredibly tough couple of months for a lot of people and very turbulent time as well. But I suppose I wanted to begin by by checking in with both of you and asking how you've been coping with everything that has uh, happened with lockdown. We're in our third one now. Eddie, let me come to you first. How have you found the past sort of 10 months?
2: Yeah, thanks, Susan. Well, it's been uh, unprecedented, amazing and all all that kind of good stuff. It's really been a, a challenging time. I mean, there's been a huge change for uh, us and our entire team. We've got little under 500 people working in the commercial banking business at Ulster Bank. And really from the thirtieth of March last year, we pivoted to effectively having the entire team working from home. We have a very small handful of people going into offices, but really the entire team working from home. We were lucky in that the bank had invested significantly in flexible working over the last four to five years. So we had a good number of colleagues who were used to working from home and were well used to the technology. Many of them, myself included, had not been doing that. But to be fair, the technology worked and we got everybody set up pretty quickly Um, I I think the challenge and we're seeing it right now today and and in many respects today, it feels like we are right back where we were in the middle of March. Um, The issues were around how to support people with childcare um, and and how to put in place the practical supports for people. And and the practical side worked really well. We got laptops out to people, desks, chairs, and the bank was pretty good at getting all that out to people in, in, in the early days. Um, the more difficult pieces, and we again, as I said, we can see it today, is people who have uh, small children in particular at home who can't get into childcare or primary school. And that's been something we've had to work with quite flexibly with our staff. And clearly, well-being and well-being issues have been a big, big challenge because, you know, we, we realize quite quickly everybody's not the same. Everybody's got different circumstances. And for many people, one of the things we realized quickly was that folks uh, living alone had specific issues, and we did, where possible, try to get those folks back into the office. So, so you know, lots of challenges, but I think we, we, we've we got there, and I'm quite confident at the moment that we, we, we put in place a rhythm of working back in March. Uh, that's going to stand to us now as we, we get into Level 5, again, so we're back in Level 5 in January 2021.
0: Yeah absolutely as as they say it's the same storm but we're all in a different boat and it's a really good point that you make that you know people each person has a different challenge whether that be small children in your house and you're working full time or like that maybe the isolation of being on your own and needing to be in the office you know with, with your colleagues i suppose um john how has it been for you then what what challenges have you found um the hardest
1: Well, it's been such an unprecedented time, as Eddie talks about. I mean, uh, pretty well everybody in the world now at this stage is, um, you know, looking and saying, gosh, we are now in the second calendar year of this pandemic, which uh, most of the people alive uh, never experienced anything like before. So at every single level, Susan, you know, we've been just one part of of a wider space where the concerns have been first of all about people's health uh, particularly those most vulnerable um, followed quickly by concern for the heroes at the front line across the the health service and the the wider public service actually who are doing amazing things and with a lot of help from the private sector to to beat this thing Uh, and a lot of the early mindset that helped us to cope by regarding it as a temporary interruption has had to evolve just like everything else to regarding what we have in front of us as a semi permanent if not you know slightly longer version of disruption. Um so you know the human psychology takes a while to absorb that and to bank it so to speak and to come to terms with it. Uh, and yet I mean it's really quite remarkable as all of us look back to look at how heroically really and how remarkably you know confirming of the human spirit it was to see that actually you know, everybody pretty well put their hand to the machine and got this project turned around really very rapidly indeed. When we look back, um, the first concerns were for health, uh, but the conduct of business that that you know fuels people's wider well-being adapted quickly enough, as Eddie has rightly said, from very large organisations, from service businesses, from manufacturing enterprises, right down to you know, small-scale family businesses on this island, on our neighbouring island and beyond. And I I think we can... Feel pretty proud of the human condition actually that people did when called upon the right thing in the main. It has taught us all sorts of lessons about how to manage communications at public policy level, all sorts of lessons about, you know, great government in these circumstances and the challenges to our elected officials and departmental officials in whom we, you know, place a hell of a lot of reliance in getting the job done. But in overall terms, uh, I think the community has done remarkably well. There have been Absolutely abhorrent losses along the way, and it it isn't over, as Eddie has talked about. We're in the third wave now. Uh, And from the point of view of our own organization, I mean, I'm very proud of my own modest team that uh, when called upon, we moved instantly to adapt. Uh, And I think we've learned a lot about ourselves. We've learned a lot about our business models and we've learned a lot about um, the art of the possible, actually, from having to learn quickly, uh, which will stand to us and stand to our business operations and to our, our customers and our members benefits for some time to come.
0: Yeah, I think just an enormous amount of uh, adaptability, I think, was shown, as you say, by by the people of Ireland in general. Um, Eddie, let's go back to those early days and early weeks of the pandemic, which, to be honest, feel like about four years ago now. But, you know, for somebody who's in a position where customers are going to come to you looking for help, I imagine all of a sudden you were being inundated, your team were being inundated with requests for help. And it was a time when none of us really knew what was going on. For many. Many of us, we had heard COVID nineteen coronavirus; those two terms, we were only really coming to terms with them, and we really didn't know what the weeks and the months ahead were going to hold. It must have been quite a quite a frightening time to to try and get a handle on what was happening.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's all very fair, Susan. I mean, actually, as it happened, you, you know, we were having a lot of discussion and getting ourselves organised in late February and into early March, and in fact, before we went into lockdown. Uh, in the early, in the first week in March, we, we announced a 500 million support fund for customers, um, which really was just a piece of reassurance. But to the point you've just made, you're 100% correct. When we announced that 500 million fund, quite frankly, we hadn't a clue what we were getting ourselves in for and what lay ahead of us as a bank and what lay ahead of society, businesses and for our customers. Um, And and those early weeks were really, really challenging. Back to my earlier point, we were organising ourselves, getting people set up at home, sorting out childcare, sorting out how people can work from home and making sure they have the technology. And meanwhile, customers needed help. And there was some very clear, you know, there was an early wave that was happening even before the lockdown kicked in with the leisure sector, with hotels in particular. Um, so we were getting organized around talking to those customers and really was about reaching out to customers and speaking to them to understand what was going on. Um, and then the whole payment break scenario got organized over the following weeks. And, and whilst it was being done on an individual bank by bank basis and we were going on a bit of a solo run, eventually the industry across Europe uh, got organized and, and in Ireland. And, and over the course of that first quarter, we, we we delivered 4,500 payment breaks and over 1,000 overdrafts or other form of support to customers. And, and we've over 50,000 business customers in the bank. So it, it was challenging and, and I won't, can't put a tooth in it. Some of... Our, our, our ability to organize ourselves in the early days uh, was challenged and, and we have a lot, had a lot of work to do in terms of explaining to customers what taking a payment break meant, particularly around things like the cost of credit and making sure payment uh, customers understood the cost of credit implications of taking a payment break. Um, and I think over the course of the two payment breaks, we, we've got a lot better at making sure that communication happened and happened clearly. Um, and now we're in a different phase. Uh, the payment breaks have expired. Um, but even as I'm speaking to you this morning and with people just coming back from Christmas, we are now again a little bit back to where we were getting out to customers, understanding what's changed in sectors and for specific customers since you know, the mindset we had when we went on our holidays for Christmas and clearly over the last two to three weeks, a lot has changed. So for example, today, the construction industry is closed. We hadn't seen that coming quite frankly, three, four weeks ago. Um, So our teams late last week and into this week, again, already reaching out to customers to understand what support they need. And I think our bank and the sector is there to work with customers and to ensure that we help them get through this. The, The final Bright note, and and again, even in my own family, I have a sister working in healthcare who got vaccinated last week. Um, I guess our fervent hope for everyone is that whilst we're in this really, really tough moment right now, is that hopefully, touch wood, we can see an end point coming in. in, in, in you know quarter two maybe into quarter three but there's a lot of work to be done for customers in the coming days and weeks
0: john the same question to you then in terms of those early days and weeks that again you know seem so far away now because we have all learned so much and and we are well we're in a different space but i suppose we're very we're in a similar space to where we were back in march and april i suppose what was it like in the initial stages for you and the, and the people who might have come to you looking for help
1: well, much of what Eddie says applies in the wider world as well, including our own and in, in that sense of the immediate need to come to terms, the immediate need to take care of customers who have evident need uh, across so many different you know, uh, spaces in, in, in business life, both manufacturing, services, construction, as Eddie has said. I mean, uh, the irony is... Actually, in this great relationship, because Ulster Bank have been great supporters of our work for a very long time, um, just as uh, COVID uh, led to the lockdown, the first lockdown that we all uh, had to contend with, we were about to press go on a long-planned spring um, business dinner with Ulster Bank uh, which Ulster Bank have supported for many years uh, again to salute the very substantial UK-Ireland trading relationship that supports, supports so much trade and so many jobs and well-being in communities on both islands uh, and that was an early sort of operational casualty pretty small thing in the scheme of things but uh, it, it typifies how we suddenly had to pull down uh, a whole menu of things that we would have ordinarily been working on. And we had to move to online right away to take care of our customers across many different business lines. And our team had to uh, adapt very quickly to working from home or what we now call living at work, effectively, because <laughs> it's it's so embedded. Uh, and all that goes with that and all the learnings, uh, both early and, and along the way. Uh, but what we quickly found, Susan, was that you know, and the human spirit, as I said before is 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 responsible for so much of you know the the ability to be resilient and innovative and creative and to respond to circumstances. What we found very quickly was that actually, for us, geography became history in the sense that a lot of our work is about working closely with businesses across a range of areas, from the family business segment in Ireland to the trading economy businesses between Ireland and the u k and you know, I live in Dublin. My, my office is in Dublin. The greater part of my team is uh, are in, living in the greater Dublin area. A couple of people on the ground in the UK. A lot of what we traditionally had been doing for our member businesses in terms of advising them and bringing them together and creating network opportunities for them and business opportunities was inherently done face to face whether that be in one-to-one meetings, group gatherings, full-up conferences, all of the traditional ways in which business people got to meet and develop ideas and opportunities with other people. Um, We did discover that geography became history because actually moving to online meant that we could not only service the people that we traditionally served now online, uh, both one-to-one, but also in groups, on Zoom calls and all the other things that we've got so used to now, uh, but also that we could reach across geographic boundaries. I mean, barely three, months before COVID, we had hosted an in-person trade mission from Irish businesses to meet businesses in the northeast of England, in the Newcastle and and Townside area. Um, That probably took about four months of organizing to organize all the physicals associated with Mm -hmm. a fairly major logistics operation. Within a month of COVID, we were doing similar events online. Uh, I won't quite say at the drop of a hat, but far more easily, mostly far more easily for our clients and definitely more easily to partner more people with more uh, counterparties in areas much further flung than just our our, our, our our local physical boundaries. So that idea of reaching out, of availing of the opportunity, of helping people to achieve things in the circumstances that became upon us rather than wishing for something different, cut hold very quickly. And, you know, we, we have adopted that model. And I know that in Eddie's business and in all our, all our clients' businesses, many people will look to hold on to many of the learnings of the past. Yeah, I was just going to ask you is, is that see the ball fall away.
0: For you John is that the silver lining like do you think that the the old working ways will ever come back or will you take the learnings from what's happened over the past 10 months and and continue to do that it sounds like it, it, in many ways it makes life easier for you and the work that you do.
1: Well, yeah, it is. It's silver lining. I mean, it's it's hard to even talk about silver linings still amid such, such challenge for so many people, Susan. But there's no doubt about it that, you know, business is in the business of adapting constantly to the circumstances that befall it, whether it's, you know, day-to-day um, changes in their markets, uh, things like Brexit coming along and having potentially significant effects, businesses adapt to that too. And lo and behold, even at the scale of a global pandemic, business has found itself mm. uh, needing to and and able to adapt and it is about holding on to the lessons learned holding on to the efficiencies availed of uh, but also recognising that uh, we don't want to dump out the baby with the bath water either and we need to be able to come up with hybrid models as, as the pandemic hopefully uh, clears uh, in the first half of this year and, and re- restore the bit about human contact because that's so important both intra-business and beyond and so hopefully we can develop hybrid models that make the best
0: of both worlds both worlds. Eddie, let me come back to you there. I mean, we talked there a lot about adaptability and I think that's been shown by everybody over the past while. We saw you know, companies, businesses offering to help with the, the national effort when it came to looking for PPE for healthcare workers. We saw food banks, uh, the donation of food to food banks, hot, hot meals been provided. You know, We saw lots and lots of examples over the past 10 months. What, what's what been your assessment of how Irish businesses have, have performed and how they've fared over this? difficult time
2: well it's been phenomenal really um you know it really has been uh just incredible uh, and, and i guess i've always said one of the one of the, the the great things about the job i do is that you get to engage and work with businesses across multiple sectors you know from farmers to the largest plcs in in, in ireland and, and that's an incredible privilege because as, as i always say banks and, and other professional services firms are there to support businesses, and that's the job we do. And I think it's been really uh, just incredible how well business has adapted. You've, you've touched on some of them, so you know, start with the agri-food sector. You know, the agri sector has has kept on going, and I know people will have heard of the challenges that we've seen in marts and what have you. But by and large, the agri sector as the as the starting point in the food supply chain has done an incredible job to keep uh, food. And food produce moving into the supermarkets and and through our food producers, and they've all done an incredible job. Uh, that's just one example, and it's almost disingenuous of me to start talking about too many other examples. But just to touch on one, John talked about healthcare. Uh, we, we deal with a lot of customers in the healthcare sector, particularly in in nursing homes, and 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 really, it is just humbling uh, to see how those businesses have had to stand up and adapt and deal with what they've dealt with. We all know the challenges the nursing home sector faced, particularly uh, in the March, April, May period. Uh, They've learned an awful lot of lessons and they're working really, really hard, I know, right now. And and we're doing what we can in our own very small way to support them. Um, And so the examples, and you've seen some of the examples... Uh, even on this podcast series so far, like Christina from Cabins and Containers in terms mm-hmm. of the way they've adapted their business or Uno Hagen from Miles Pharmacy, you know, the support they've given to staff and how in the retail sector they've had to adapt. So, it, it, you know, there's just a, an, an endless range of, of of examples. And I think it's the thing that I've, you know, what we've really witnessed from Irish business um, is its adaptability is is it's, its the incredible resilience that it's had and has had to have over the over the last decade, uh, and we're seeing that resilience and adaptability co- come to the fore again. And you know, and I've mentioned earlier the leisure sector, hotels, restaurants, pubs. You know, pubs have now been closed for for the guts of nine now ten months, um, and and they've all had to figure out how to manage their costs. And, and finally, I know this is a long answer, but I would also think it's important to just acknowledge the support that. The government has put in place that have allowed uh, business to 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 manage and to get through this period, and I think that now is going to be very important for that support to continue. So, so really, lots of fabulous examples, uh, Susan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, John, you do a lot of work with family businesses in Ireland through the the Family Business Network of Ireland, and we have spoken to family businesses uh, throughout this podcast on the series. Do do you feel they were impacted harder maybe in the sense that, you know, for everybody, work life and family life, the lines there were completely blurred for the past couple of months? Um, You know, not a whole lot of opportunity for respite, for rest, you know, sort of uh, suddenly the kitchen table becoming the place where absolutely everything happens. Happens. Do you think, are your members telling you or, or are you hearing that, that they really feel they've taken a hit?
1: Well, they are equally grateful for the supports and the wider community endeavour. So uh, they don't tend to think in terms of taking a hit. But the reality is... They have taken a hit in the main and uh, to the best of their ability, they've they've stood up and 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 accepted that and dealt with it and done the right thing. And Eddie has characterized the spectrum across business life generally from, you know, sectors that were particularly badly hit, like tourism and hospitality and leisure, uh, certainly elements of food service. a, a rather than food retail have taken a hit um, some construction has taken a hit um, but even in, in in a number of those cases we've seen families and you know family businesses it's not often acknowledged, acknowledged uh, employ nearly a million people that's probably three times as much as the foreign direct investment sector and it's nearly four times as much as the, the public service so like it, they're the kind of the hidden quiet voice of business in Ireland that are just getting on with things and that's essentially what carried raises family business as you said the kitchen table those conversations mean the kitchen table for many family businesses is the boardroom table and you know they are interchanged day and daily the reality is that i i i I talked eddie talked about being humbled I, i i am amazed at the work that families have done true to type to adapt to play their part I saw families uh, take down entire business models and repivot themselves to help the frontline effort by taking any opportunity they could to produce face masks and PPE. I mean, we forget about that maximum crisis level that we had back at the start when we literally couldn't get enough gowns and garments, for goodness sake. So families stepped up to that right away. The other thing that we saw was families are inherently very innovative as well. And sometimes we think that only the foreign direct investment sector does all of the innovation and technology and such things. I saw families look to the next generation of their families who brought forward pivoting to online at a rate of knots uh, not seen before in those families. I saw... Uh, I saw families adopt technology and other uh, innovations in such a way that they're holding those now and they have adapted their business models for the long term. So, yeah, I mean, they've taken a hit, but they've also stood up to that hit and they are inherently resilient. They are in business for the long term. As we say, family businesses are here for good. And we mean that in every sense. They stay long. They don't fall out fast. They continue to reinvest, not just in the business, but in their local communities in every constituency. So a lot of our foreign firms who are most welcome and do wonderful work are concentrated around some of the larger urban areas. But families are in every town and village and crossroads. And they are that link from, you know, the business fabric of Ireland through to the community fabric of Ireland and the well-being of the country as a whole. So I'm, I'm really proud of what families have done. And one of the things that we used the space for over the past year, because we were asked to by government, was to increasingly voice the cause and the endeavour and what families make happen into public policy. So I'm happy that a year on that we now represent the voice of families in business across a range of government uh, fora, government commissions uh, from uh, COVID supports right through to pension provision for the future, because families deserve to get that recognition alongside all of the other Uh, actors, if you like, on the commercial stage, our foreign sector and our state sector. This has been a phase in which, you know, the history will show that everybody in the country stood up to the call to get a really important job of work done.
0: Now, Eddie, we don't just have the coronavirus challenge ahead of us. We obviously have Brexit as well. And we must uh, add that into this talk, to- into this conversation. I suppose, look, a deal was done uh, very last minute at the end of last year, um, which is good news, obviously, for all of us. Um, but we do still have uh, some difficulties in terms of trade. I suppose from an Ulster Bank point of view and your customers, uh, how are you navigating such a, such a kind of challenging situation?
2: Yeah, well, you know, you, you're, you're right, Susan. It's, it's, it's a challenge, and, and in some respects, uh, through last year, through 2020, Brexit kind of got pushed into the sidelines just a little bit. Um, we 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 had put huge energy and effort into Brexit, uh, really since the referendum in 2016, and, and I guess luckily, you know, the, the, the timeline and, and really the three years that we had to prepare was ultimately helpful because I think a lot of work was done and, and we would have done significant work with our customers in 2019 even, and people will recall back in 2019 the various dramas that we had around Brexit. Um, I, I think it's quite interesting at the moment. So, so we, we, we spent, as I say, a lot of time informing customers about getting EORI numbers and being ready to use the land bridge and all that kind of stuff. And I think, by and large, customers got themselves ready. But as I always said, and I did say many times before Brexit, there was this something of a divide between what I would call those larger customers who had the bandwidth to get prepared and and smaller SMEs and the family businesses that John's referring to who who really don't have that kind of bandwidth. Um, So there was some challenges, but we're now seeing... As as we're all reading and seeing every day some of the challenges that are now coming to, to, to bear in terms of uh, getting goods out of the UK and the uh, logistical challenges and the bureaucratic and administrative challenges. Um, I, I think the first thing to say is we got through the Christmas and New Year's period OK. So some of the things that we worried that might have happened Uh, have not come to pass. But as ever, there's some other things now starting to emerge. And I think last week was a little bit of a a false week in that not a lot of activity was happening. Businesses have done a lot of work to get stocked uh, before uh, the year end. Um, I think the next couple of weeks and into the rest of this month is going to highlight some further challenges. And and we're seeing them day in, day out. The revenue are working very hard, I know, with uh, businesses to try and Ease some of the paperwork. We're seeing everything from the Percy Pig scenario, where the yes. ingredients are coming from Germany into the UK, but now can't get out to Ireland. Um, you know, so there's quite a lot of work is going to have to go on. Uh, and, and and as ever, we're talking to our customers, trying to help them where we can. Trade finance and support for, for trade is is a critical part of what we do. But interestingly, the the issues that are happening, and I'm sure John will have a lot to say in this because he's he's very well versed in all of this stuff, so I'll maybe defer to him on this, but a lot of the issues that are emerging now are more administrative and bureaucratic, and I think quite a bit of work needs to take place really quickly to try and untug the system because, as ever, the U.K., And we've said this all along, and I know John has really been a leading voice in this in terms of the work that British Irish Chamber of Commerce does. And we've been very pleased to work with the British Irish Chamber of Commerce um, because UK and Ireland trade is going to remain really, really important for this economy. And we need to make sure that we unclog the system as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, John, let me bring um, you in there, I suppose, in terms of advice and guidance that you're offering your members. Again, it's a challenging time. Um, How how is everybody finding kind of, I know we're in the very initial stages. And as Eddie says there, you know, New New Year's is a quiet time. You know, it takes a while for things to get up and running again. So in some ways it might have been, you know, we don't really have a sense of what it's all going to be like. But what's your assessment of it?
1: Well, the first thing, Susan, is that um, our friends in the UK democratically voted by a small majority, but the win is a win, to leave. And uh, nothing changed that along the four and a half years along the way. Small business, in particular, doesn't have the time, the bandwidth, or the money to be ready for every possible scenario. But you know, over the four and a half years, a whole lot of different scenarios were painted as to what the outcome might be. And there, you know, history will judge whether um, people did the right thing, whether people were prepared enough, etc., etc. But for smaller enterprises, uh, it was inevitable that they were going to not quite wait and see, but but they were going to need to know what they had to be ready for, and the. The reality is we're now seeing that. Um, first of all, uh, the British Irish Chamber of Commerce uh, has welcomed the deal. It's far better than the much worse outcome of not getting a deal. Um, but uh, there's no doubt about it. The deal that has been delivered on, be on Christmas Eve, right down to the wire, is a deal that is causing significant operational disruption right now. You know, just as we start the new year, as Eddie has said, at, you know, from a relatively quiet base, um, it's about to get traditionally busy now as we go into the trading year and there are a great many firms and not all of them just small firms but there are some very large concerns on both islands who are having to grapple with the new reality procedurally documentation wise uh, rules of origin things we hadn't thought of etc etc it's I mean a great many of these things were thought of but uh, businesses in some ways subliminally may not have accepted that this is the reality of a nation deciding that it doesn't want to be part of the community in the way that it was before, but also business um, coping with the disruption that's in front of us now. And it'll last for some weeks, to say the least, over the next short while in terms of of people getting their head around the rules at port and all sorts of logistical things. But once that's done, um, we've taken the view that uh, the deal done is a deal that essentially is enough for business to get on with business. Um, business is inherently adaptive. It inherently says, tell us the rules, give us a reasonable amount of time to embrace them, and we will work out how to work with those rules. And many businesses are already thinking about that. The reality is that between these two islands, more than in any other partnership across the European Union as was, the amount of trade between us is, is the greatest partnership that there is. So Britain is by far and away the largest trading partner of Ireland, and Ireland is the fourth largest trading partner are in many business lines with the UK. And in that case, we have a vested interest in working out the changes that have arisen as quickly as we can, being as supportive as we can. And, uh, you know, it's good to see people like the Irish Revenue Commissioners in recent days giving some leniency that it wasn't required to do in recognition of the practical need to get things working. When that comes... Businesses will quickly reread the situation and say, okay, you know, 65 million people in the UK still have to eat, still have to clothe themselves, still have to take a holiday, still have to take an educational course, all of the, the basic needs of life. That's a tremendous market for Irish businesses. And indeed, on the Irish side, many Irish uh, businesses are joined at the hip with many trading partnerships in the UK. And what happens now is that because the relationship between the UK and other EU nations uh, is changing, there will be fresh opportunities for businesses from this week forward to help people say, okay, in this change market, but the fact that they're both very large markets, both the UK and the EU, how can businesses on either island, but not least in in the Republic of Ireland, adapt to by learning what the new ways to succeed are, let me just give you one example. Um, There is a phenomenal amount of uh, opportunity now for import substitution. Uh, I only learned recently that 70% of the yogurt eaten by households in the Republic of Ireland is imported and half of that import comes from the UK. So right away, you can take it that whether it's Percy Pig or a tub of yogurt, people are beginning to think about the fact that the market structure has changed and business people are inherently thinking about market all of the time. Thinking about costs, thinking about opportunities to offset those costs and thinking about new business lines that they might not have been able to access in the same ways in the previous time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely a a lot of opportunity there, no doubt, even though it is such a challenge. Um, Eddie, we're only in the not even into the second week of 2021, but let's talk about the rest of the year. And I suppose for your customers um, and you, I suppose, what's your priority over the next coming months or or what's your assessment of what way this year might play out? I know it's never good to look too far into a a crystal ball, but um, how quickly do you hope things might improve for businesses?
2: Yeah, and I can assure you, Susan, my crystal ball is no better than anybody <laughs> else's. But but having said that, right, I think um, our, our, our view is this. I think whilst we're in a really tough moment right now, clearly, and um, we're all consumed with, with the COVID news and the daily case numbers and what's happening in our hospitals right now, I, I, I am optimistic in that I think The plan and the hope we all had, that all businesses had, that we were going to get back to normal in 2021, and our view was that was going to be into quarter three, I I believe that that's still a valid assumption, and and that goes back to what I said earlier about the vaccine, Um, and, Mm. and I know... And it, we we clearly have a very high dependency on the vaccine, but I think we all need to have some hope, and I think that's the hope that we have. We we, we genuinely thought that it was going to take, and particularly I've mentioned the leisure sector quite a few times on on, on this call, and um, I, you know, we we always felt that it was going to be getting into the summer before we could see any normality coming for the leisure sector, and I I hope that hasn't changed. And um, right now, as I said earlier, our job is to really connect and communicate with our customers and hear from them about what's happening. Uh, The positive thing in the run-up to Christmas was that we saw a really large number of customers migrating off payment break and returning to paying uh, their bank, um, and that was replicated across the industry. I, I think it's really critical for us now to check in and see to what extent that has changed. And I think inevitably there will be some businesses now that were moving back to payment that will have a challenge and we're there to support them. And we need to get that message out to them really, really quickly. Uh, you know, businesses need to resume their growth journey. Ireland was in a great place at the end of 2019 and into the early months of 2020. And, and I think that's what gives me confidence. I think the, the country politically and economically is responding well. Uh, our economic situation was in a good place. Uh, the ECB has done the right thing, and it has made money available across Europe. And, and Our government has accessed that money to support business, and support society, and support the country. And that will need to continue through this year. But I see, and John's touched on it. You know, there is broadly speaking, good uh, you know good cooperation across society as to what should happen and how we can get through it. So, so I think I'm optimistic. Uh, that we will get into quarter three and start to see things uh, emerge and come back to normal. But it's going to be a tough, there's no point in pretending otherwise. There's a tough few weeks and months ahead of us as we get to that point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. John, would you share Eddie's optimism there that once we get kind of into maybe the the middle part of the year that, that things could improve?
1: I do broadly, Susan. Um, you know, no one can tell us the exact timing by which we get out of this terrible woods that we're in. Um, and everybody is working really well together to to get us to that. So, you know, in some ways we're conditioned now to a sort of a contingency mindset. It says we'll do the best we can. If something else happens, we want to be ready for that. Hopefully nothing worse happens, but we know how we might cope with that. Um, the reality is that businesses uh, across the, the the universe in this space, but not least locally in Ireland, are committed to doing what only business can do, which is to deliver the jobs-led recovery that the national well-being is going to depend on. Well a lot of that turns on is making sure that the incentive for businesses to retain existing employees, to get back to in- growing those employees, which is what business wants to do. Uh, in the highways and byways as well as the, the urban environments, uh, that, that, that businesses are both positioned to and supported to uh, get on with that critical job. Uh, it's only the business economy that can grow jobs. It's not going to be the state sector. Um, the foreign direct investment sector may well be challenged because there are particular things coming down the line for that area. And hopefully we, we can hold on to our incentives for FDIs to, to do so much good work that they do in, in Ireland. But the reality is like, the, the indigenous business sector, uh, not least the SME enterprise sector, are the people who have been hardest hit, uh, very well supported by the state. I, I absolutely acknowledge on every occasion. Uh, as is right, uh, they are the folks that have to be helped uh, by all of us to get them get, get back to how they were performing before, uh, not least in the most challenged areas like like uh, the disruption to the uh, hospitality sector as Eddie has touched on, the travel sector. Now actually in, in Brexit, people lo- looking at the coastal communities uh, helped by the fishing sector because there's a new challenge there over the next while. But the reality is uh, I, I think we can be hopeful that if businesses can be sustained through the worst of this. They are the people who we can all rely on to deliver a jobs-led recovery, which then becomes self-fulfilling. It delivers mm-hmm. taxation to the state where we can get back to investing in the things that we need, the important things like education, like sectors that have been badly hit and like growing talent that can compete in the new norm, both you know, health-wise and economically in all of these relationships to, to prosper at the levels that we've previously shown we're capable of doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to keep our fingers crossed and you have to keep the faith and, and if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. So I suppose it's kind of a good conversation to have at this time of the year as we as we face into another year that we know is going to be a challenge, but hopefully we will see things uh, turn a corner. But Eddie and John, thank you both very much for taking the time uh, to talk to us on the podcast. We wish you and your teams every success for the future and uh, indeed here's to a, a happy, a healthy and uh, a very prosperous 2021. Thank you both for being with us. Us. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Susan. Now, that has been the final episode of Learn, Adapt, Thrive, a six-part series of business podcasts brought to you by Ulster Bank. I've been your host, Susan Keough. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast series and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and keep this conversation going on social media using the hashtag Learn, Adapt, Thrive.